A young man was appointed president of a local bank. Of course, being a young man, that's a great privilege to have such a great responsibility. But he knew enough to understand that he just didn't know everything either in the banking industry. So he went to the chairman of the board, an older, more distinguished, been in a long time gentleman. And he said, sir, please give me some advice that I need as a new president. And he says two words, right decisions. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oh, that's just wonderful to understand and hear from you. Uh, would you mind clarifying that a little bit more? Uh, because I am not fully understanding exactly what specifics you might be referring to. And, and he says, how, how, how can I make right decisions? He says, by making wrong decisions. The lesson wants you to consider two things. The decision-making process you have as a Christian. And secondly, who's your father? Who's your father? The lesson is called two fathers. And the first point is two opinions. You remember the story of Elijah as he dealt with the northern Israel and the Baal worshipers. He said this, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. This go limping concept is the idea of hesitation. How long will you hesitate? Do you choose Baal or you choose Yahweh? Do you choose God? See, they were noncommittal. They were noncommittal. They were so used to having Baal around them. The king and queen were big proponents of Baal. Yet they knew their background, even if they weren't listening. Elijah was there, a great prophet. Do you follow God or you follow Baal? course that's a sad question isn't it it's sad because they were just waiting to see who would win as an example how many here like college or pro sports of any kind all right you might have your favorite teams especially if you went to a certain college I've met some couples they each went to different colleges so they each have their favorite teams, the husband and wife. And boy, when those teams play each other, they're enemies. Oh, they got their party people over for their side. They got, the guy got his party people over for his side. And they go gangbusters. Even if they've lost the whole season to everybody else, once those two teams play, boy, they're in it. They're in it. And others... In some sports, like me, just wait until the last two players are playing or teams and go, hmm, we'll see who's winning by halftime, and that's the one I'll root for. So until God proves himself, I'm not sure who to root for. That's the people that Elijah was dealing with. Joshua is another interesting character, as 
as the class studied the week before. As are you for our adversaries? Who is Joshua talking to in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13? Well, a man came up after they crossed the Jordan. They're on their way to conquer Canaan land. And, and this guy comes up with a sword drawn. And Joshua comes up to him and says, Whose side are you on? Are you on our side or our adversaries? And of course, what did he say? No, I am the commander of the Lord. Which implies what? I'm on his side. And of course, I think Joshua got the message. For at the end of Joshua, Joshua 24, 15, he's talking to the people. He's an old age. He dies at 110. He's feeling it now. But he's gone through time and after time and after time where he's standing for God. He believes it. He knows it. And he talks to the people and makes sure they believe it too. And he says, but as for me and my house, talking about choices between the bales of the people of the land or God, we will serve the Lord. And of course, all the people are going, that's right. Until a nation grew up, a generation grew up after them that went and served the Baals. This is not unlike what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So which of two fathers will you choose? Well, as you know, we are adopted, aren't we? We have a father who has chosen to adopt us. I know of one person in here who's been adopted, but there may be others who have been adopted that I'm not sure of. I've met quite a few, and I'm sure it's not an uncommon situation. Now, I know some positive and I know some negative adoption situations. Fortunately, I know a lot more positive ones than negative. One negative one was where a couple had a child. Only one. They only wanted one. Only one biological one. And then they adopted a brother and a sister. And I met the brother and the sister and the, the, the original son. And they told me. The only reason they were adopted was so that this biological son would have a playmate. And those adopted kids knew it. And the son knew it. And that grouping was very messed up. We only got you, we'll feed you, we'll send you to school, we don't really care about you as much as our biological son. Of course, I know, again, a lot more positive. Kids that are accepted into this family that's adopted them as one of theirs. 
loved, treated with discipline, love, sent to school, fed, loved and hugged and given everything they need, not everything they want. You see, this is like God who adopts us. Now, the adoption process can be very long and difficult, as some in here can attest to. Very costly, especially in America. And a lot of kids, a lot of parents want that perfect child. You know, the one with the right hair color or skin color. No challenges physically perfect. Someone that they can adopt, that they know they can mold into whoever they want them to be. But with God, he didn't look at the perfect child, did he? He looked for the neediest. He looked for the one that was thrown out. He looks for the one that's in the trash. That has no future. The one that's condemned. And who among us before Christ have been condemned? All of us. All of us are condemned. He looked at us. Wicked in our sin. Smelly of the spiritual smells that come from following Satan. And not having Christ in us. And he says. I want them. But the interesting thing about this adoption. Is that. He doesn't go to people who are just physically born. But he goes to those who have lived a life opposed to him. And he says, I will adopt you if you want to be in my house. I will adopt you if you want to be in my family. So we get old enough and we go, which father do I want? The father of this world or the father of heaven? And God says, choose me, choose me, choose me. I will adopt you. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are, what? Children of God. God says, it's open adoption season. Do you want to be in my household? 
I will adopt you. I will adopt you. This adoption brings relationship with God in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So the adoption happens because somebody paid the necessary price. Did you pay the price? Jesus did. You see, it costs to be adopted. It costs to come into the household of Jesus. It costs to be a child of God. And that cost is nothing you can afford. Christ's blood is the necessary payment. And God is so willingly desiring to give it out. Our adoption is expensive. We think of gold, platinum, land. None of it has any value compared to the blood of Christ. None of it. It's dust in your fingers compared to the blood of Christ. It's, it's human. It's waste compared to the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is what brings us an adoption with God. Because we want to be adopted. By Christ's blood, we have redemption. We are bought back. We have attained an inheritance according to Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 11. And now we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation and believed him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, just as Lee said in his prayer at the Lord's Supper this morning. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. And so, when we think about two fathers, we think about, hopefully, we think about the freedom we have with the one father. Has anyone here ever been a slave? No, literally a slave? No? No one here has ever been a slave? Likely not. Our country has disbanded with that officially a long time ago. However, if you are overwhelmed at work or you have a harsh boss, you might feel like a slave. You may not know that today it's estimated that there still are about 40 million slaves in the world. 40 million. Forced labor, sex slaves, forced marriages are included in this, as well as trafficking. 
And you know there's a lot of trafficking going on in America. That's slavery. But it's not the slavery that deals with uh, passing on from one generation to another where somebody has a child and you, you give them out as an inheritance to your next generation of family, chattel. It's exploitation. Taking advantage of somebody else's poor situation. But slavery's been around almost from the beginning as we look in Scripture. You see, Christ and His truth came to do what? Set people free. As Christian read this morning, we've never been enslaved when Jesus talked to the people. We've never, of course, they're not thinking generationally, are they? They're, oh, you were slaves in Egypt, but they weren't thinking that. They're like, we've never been slaves. Like, we're not slaves. We're children of Abraham. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered, I'm guessing an opposing party there, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will, be, you will become free? Remember the two fathers concept? Were these Jews in a covenant already that Jesus was talking to? They were in a supposed relationship with God, right? From birth. And yet Jesus is looking at them and saying, you who believed you are saved, you believe you who believe you are right with God, guess what? You're trapped in sin. You're not as saved as you think you are. Because my words will set you free. John 8, 33. They answered, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Jesus was not talking about their physical enslavement. He's talking about their spiritual enslavement. Even though they were under a covenant. Slavery and sin. Being a Jew, Abraham's physical descendant, is not what saves you. Having an obedient faith in God is what saves you. And what saves you is God declaring that you are saved. And for Christians today, we understand that only comes through the blood of Christ. That's how we're declared saved. And you can't force yourself into the adoption. You have to want it. And God will adopt you. 
So Jesus said, and this is a big concept in the study of Romans. And Jesus says, choose your father. Choose your father. They said in John chapter 8, verses 39 through 41, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Works of faith. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. This man of faith. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Were they listening? No. Jesus was telling them something. You don't understand what real faith is. You don't know what real faith is. Later, he says, you are children of your father, the devil, for he was a liar from the beginning. But with God, God is our father. We can proudly go before him and say, Dad, Baba, Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for teaching us your truth. Thank you for your son's blood covers my sins. Help me to walk in the ways you want me to walk and to walk by faith, in obedience of faith. And to look forward to the day when I can permanently be home with you forever in heaven. And I tell you what, guys, if you want to know what boasting is about, we don't boast in ourselves because we didn't do it. We boast in the Lord because of what he provides. And we can go into all the world and tell them, look what Jesus did for me. Someone who was adopted, who was corrupt, who was icky, who was sinful, who was the most disgusting child ever to be seen, and he lifted me up out of the grave of sin, out of slavery, and brought me into a relationship with him, and I am living a life of holiness dedicated toward him. The lesson is called Two Fathers. Which father do you want to follow? I recommend the one who will take you to heaven. If there's anybody here today who has any prayer requests or needs or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand and sing.